Back in here, hour number three of Morning Drive, live here on a Thursday. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise as we get ready to stick to sports coming up at 845 this morning. Joe Rexroad from The Athletic joining us right now. Joe, good morning. Happy Thursday. How you doing? Good morning. How you guys doing? Uh, I've heard you're really uh, well-versed in pickup basketball. Can you confirm or deny that report? <laughs> Well versed, huh? Yeah, I, I guess that. Yeah, does that mean like old and able to use my fat to my advantage? That's uh, Look, definitely Joe, that. Joe, I said you had a well-rounded game. You may take that how you will. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, Brayden and I had some good, uh, you know, banging in the post there. So uh, I'm hoping that you know you guys will get over your fear and and come out to the court sometime soon, Nick and Derek. I, I mean, I've heard you're just fundamentally sound. You know, you've got the up and under game, the head fake, the pump fake game. I, honestly, I'm a little worried. I don't know if I can hang with that. Gritty, heady gym rat. I like it. Nice. That's what you got to do? Nice set shooter. And oh, by the way, Nick Kale's gained 17 pounds. So yeah. So you're good, Joe. <sighs> All right, let's get to the latest. <laughs> so your your latest on The Athletic is about Malcolm Turner, and it's entitled Inside Malcolm Turner's Quest to Make Vanderbilt a Player Again in College Football. And I think when you stun Missouri thirty one or as a 21-point underdog and you beat them convincingly the way you did, you, you might start thinking, okay, here we go. Maybe we're, we're trending in the right direction. Take us in the, inside, the, inside the lines with your story on Malcolm Turner. What is his plan? Yeah, well, and those are two different things for one thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was shocking. I certainly did not think Saturday as I followed him around that we'd be watching a win. Uh, you know, it was a one-in-five team, and there was a lot of tension, I think, you know, around that considering that they were just coming off the, you know, the 34-10 loss to UNLV. But, you know, I mean, his plan really is independent of of the coaching situation. Um, and, and I still – I was not convinced that Derek Mason was done before that game. I, I, I think everyone should have an open mind on what Turner is going to evaluate and decide after this season on Derek Mason. But the plan is, first of all, get money. I mean, you know, you've got to you've got to get money. You've got to raise funds. You've got you've got to have resources. And you know, there I think there are a lot of untapped uh, potential donors around Vanderbilt, I think, uh, a lot. I think there's massive potential there, and I think he thinks that. And I think that's a big part of why he took this job. So you, you go there, and they're already, you know, well into that um, movement. And then you, know, you got to have a facilities plan. I mean, obviously, and Malcolm Turner made this clear in the piece on theathletic.com that, you know, the stadium's important, no doubt. And it, I believe it will be addressed, but I really came away thinking that, you know, a football building, um, either renovation or build is, is probably higher priority. And, you know, certainly Derek Mason would, would raise his hand right now and say, that's got to come first. You know, it's the seven day a week thing. These players are in it. That's what you're recruiting to more than you are the stadium. And so I think, you know, around January, there should be some detailed plans released by Vanderbilt on, on what they're going to do. And I think it's, it's a lot of different things. And right now they're kind of still throwing out different ideas. But again, you've got to raise funds. And I think Malcolm Turner is going to be very effective at that. So the bathrooms wasn't a big, you know, wasn't a big deal. 
um, renovating the bathrooms <laughs> at the stadium. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, hey, they got beer, okay? Exactly. They got beer, too, but so did just about everybody else in the SEC. Um, yeah. you know, where do you think this – one, you know, when what he said on the sideline after the game and then what he reiterated um, in a press conference, do you believe – um, yes, he probably could have been talking about media members. Um, he could have been talking about fans, whoever. Do you think that was a direct um, voice to those um, that can do something for the university? Um, and then why is it that uh, it's this strange thing with Vandy that if, if if a coach is not winning, that all of a sudden he should be fired. I mean, they act as if, you know, Vandy has been Alabama and all of a sudden now they've gotten in his rut and they need a coach to get him back where they were. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, and that's where it's so hard, you know, to evaluate Derek Mason. And, and look, if you're on the side of Derek's got to go, then you can point to James Franklin and say, well, that guy won, but I'm still, I'll, I'll forever think that, you know, that would have, of course, corrected itself uh, <laughs> over time. You know, I mean, I mean, he did a heck of a job. You can't take it away from him. But the, you know, the last century tells you that in this league, coaching football at Vanderbilt, you're probably not going to have a winning record. Um, that said, you lose 34-10 at home to UNLV and the way that team played that day, and I also understand people who are concerned. I mean, that was ugly, and I think that was the low point of his tenure. Great response against Missouri. As far as what he said, yeah, I mean, I think I took that as, just sort of the all the noise about you know he's got to go or whatever and you know you think you want to do this you know he and of course as he said more than once he thinks he's you know built for it and that may be true but I also think that uh, you know there are other coaches who can do the job the problem again is you know when you're evaluating him and when you're trying to build this you're trying to change things you know if you move on from him right now the way things are how attractive is the job how much more attractive is the job down the road a little bit if you actually do raise money and put in a, a plan to build facilities? You know, I mean, it's it's a really interesting situation for Malcolm Turner here. And we know that Malcolm Turner is not afraid to make a big move because he fired Bryce Drew three months, uh, you know, three months into his tenure. What, what do you make of the importance of Tennessee hosting South Carolina, the quarterback decision, you know, where, where this team sits in year two under Pruitt? I think it's massive, Braden. I mean, I think this you, you win this game and you can start talking bowl game again. Well, especially, you know, again, I've only seen Missouri live once, but I, I do, I'm taking that off my no-chance list for the balls after last week. And I think you win this game and you can actually entertain that thought again. And if they, get to, if they were to get to 6-6 six and six after that start, that would be a heck of a save. And I think people – not like people are going to be all – excited and like there's no question this is a guy and everything but it's certainly a different discussion than we were having a few weeks ago as far as quarterback I think it's got to be Garantano I mean assuming Maurer can't go and I am assuming that um you know I just I don't see how you go to Shrout now and I understand look Garantano that was a terrible mental mistake at the goal line and he hasn't been very good this year but I think he's actually played better in the last two games, late in the Mississippi State game to help close that out. And then, you know, I thought he looked okay against Alabama. I think that's the best chance for the balls to win is with him under center. And he's going to have to play 
really well. I do think the Vols are going to be able to run the ball in this game. I really like what they're doing up front with that offensive line and the running backs, and that should make things easier for them. should be a really good game. Rex, final one for you. Let's get to Ryan Tannehill. He'll make his second start on Sunday for the Titans. And one of the things we discussed in the first half of the show was John Robinson and also Titans fans not falling for fool's gold with Ryan Tannehill. Seven years of mediocrity should always outweigh, hypothetically, a seven to ten week stretch of, you know, excellent play at quarterback. Do you think there's a chance if Ryan Tannehill plays well for the rest of the year? that John Robinson would fall for the bait, so to speak, of you know securing Ryan Tannehill, I'm not saying long-term, but maybe to like a bridge deal? Well, I think a bridge deal, I think if he plays pretty well and they you know, win a fair amount of games and, and he looks okay, I think a bridge deal is still possible then because then you're still – you're probably looking at drafting a quarterback, but, I mean, you can do a lot worse than Tannehill – if he's willing to stay for that, to, to be here, kind of be the caretaker, be the mentor, um, and like you said, be that bridge guy. I mean, I, I don't think it, it's going to take some kind of uh, incredible performance for that to be possible. Now, the idea of, like, do they look at Tannehill as the guy? Now, that would be – that would require – well, I guess it would require Sunday over and over and over again and win after win after win. And even then, like you said, you know, the, the body of work still kind of tells you that it's going to even out over time. Rex, always a pleasure. We appreciate the time, and uh, I look forward to crossing you over next week on the basketball court. Ooh. Wait, are you coming out tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, I Games. thought it was next Tuesday. Tuesdays and Fridays. Oh, it's twice a week. Yeah, man. Don't be scared, Nick. That's well, right. Well, all right, so, well, what time are we doing this uh, tomorrow? 11 a.m. I will be there. Lock oh, it in. Mark the go. tape. All right. Let's go. Well, now, well, now I definitely have I'm to go. Sharpen up the elbows. Let's go. I'm going to bust out the Reebok. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have Reebok pumps, just so you know, Rex. Right? I pump them up like in the mid-90s. <laughs> nice. Little D Brown. All right. Exactly. I can't wait. Rex, good, hey, Rex, good good stuff on uh, Malcolm Turner, man. Everybody pay for good journalism. Okay? Yes. Good stuff. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Buddy. Appreciate it, guys. You got it. Yeah. Joe Rex Road. It's, it's a lot of words about Vanderbilt. <laughs> which most people don't have time for, but go read it. <laughs> most people, it's a good piece. <laughs> most people don't have time. They don't have time for 4,000 words on a Vanderbilt athletic director, yeah. but it's good. It's very good because Rex Road's good. So go, Adam Bingen, these guys that work for the athletic, Glennon, they're good. Go pay for it. Think, think about that where we are in a society where people, they don't have time for 4,000 words when they're really good words, but they'll sit there and scroll through Stare and swipe it. left oh and God. swipe right. Well, they'll just, they'll just they'll scroll through Instagram for 15 minutes and not even realize it's been 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, dude, you could have read and educated yourself on something real. Instead, you just looked at cat videos. <laughs> Break. <laughs> they have cat videos? Yeah, they have cat videos on The Athletic? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the point. People are not reading The Athletic. They're looking at cat videos. Oh, I'm unsubscribing then. Cause I'm just kidding. That's good work by The Athletic. Yeah, I subscribe for good, it. I, I read story. a lot of that stuff, so yeah. good work by Joe Rex Road. We play indoor or outdoor? It's outdoor. It's outdoor for now. We're working on a gym. You don't like that too much? We're trying to pressure. The wind, the wind might throw off the jumper. We're trying to pressure. Well, it's throwing us all off equally, dude. So don't worry about it. Plus, Marquise and I don't, don't, don't. We, we're in the paint kind of guy. Yeah, well, we're. <laughs> you going to come, Mace? Uh, when y'all get inside, then I can. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, already he's said bougie. It. Yeah. yeah, I said Controlled I'm, environment? Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to play on no concrete. I did those. Those days are over with, <laughs> man. Yeah, those days are over with. All right, we will come back. One stat on Ryan Tannehill that is very, very impressive, or so you'd think. Back after this on Morning Drive. It's a mindset to, to 
have confidence and go out and and the habits you establish in practice and in your preparation, um, you know, from the walkthroughs, taking out to the practice field and the meeting rooms, uh, just having that focus day in and day out of, of what you need to accomplish. And then on Sundays, you got to go execute. You know, you can meet well, you can practice well, but if you don't play well on Sundays, it's kind of all for naught. So you have to be able to put the whole thing together. There you have it, Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill on stacking good performances together. And if it's a mindset, and I don't think it's so much about Tannehill, I think it's about this team. Is this team mentally capable of stacking together wins? Because every time they've had success this year, they have followed it up with disappointment. Yeah, it'll be an interesting dynamic to 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 figure out. And and frankly, you know, we, we talked about this with the Preds, right? Peter Laviolette just told us. He said, listen, when we have a, a, a thing that we need to address or deal with or talk about or handle, we, we go to specific players, Ellison Yossi. Who, who is it for this team that does that? Is it Jarrell Casey? Is it Taylor Lewan? Kevin Byard? Who, who are the guys that are going to demand that, right? Like, who, who are the players that are going to go to their other teammates and say, we demand this? And listen, it's the NFL. It, not for long is what it stands for, and... You know, everybody's fighting for their job every no, single. For the National Football League. Oh, okay, thanks, Derek. Um, <laughs> I thought it was the no fun league. <laughs> yes, 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 all of the above. Um, but it, it, the point, I mean, listen, the I and the sky don't lie. Every single play, your your job is on the line. Like I get all of that, but you need extra, right, to be really good in the NFL. And who's going to demand that extra? And you know, if Ryan Tannehill is one of those voices, then great. That 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 would be great. Uh, but you know, Lawan. Is he going to be the guy that forces everyone else in the offense to fall in line? And you know, well, publicly he's the guy in a locker room that does right. speak to the media, saying, right. "Hey, you know, we, we if we're going to go from good to great, we can't have one week where we do this and then we give it back the next week." I mean, for all of Luan's faults this year on the field and off the field, I mean, there has been accountability in front of a microphone and, from him. And where do the coaches fall in this equation? How, how much is the coaching staff responsible, Derek, for <laughs> for maintaining? You know. <laughs> Was that, Munson, was that you, Munson? Yeah, was <laughs> that, that you, Munson? Was that yeah, that was. Uh, like, uh, huh? What was that? De- Derek, how much of the coaching staff is responsible for demanding uh, that standard that you always talk about? Uh, I mean, it, it first and foremost is set by the coach, by the head coach, a standard. Um, you know, because, you know, we always talk uh, in regards to when a coach is fired, you know, he brings in a new, another coach is hired. You know, typically, is they're not winning. We need a new culture shift. The new coach comes in and, you know, voila, his culture is hopefully set. People buy in. Um, and I think um, they have bought in to what Vrabel is 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 sort of preaching and, and, and the culture that he's setting. Um, so it starts with the head coach. And then I think the veteran guys, they, ha- they have to buy in. Um, if the veteran guys buy in, then everyone else kind of falls in place. But if you can't get the veteran guys to fall in to what you're doing, then it's going to be harder for the younger guys because they're looking at these veteran guys and they move like they move as the veterans move. Uh, but it seems like, you know, whether it's Wesley Woodyard, uh, whether it's Delaney Walker, uh, Taylor Lewan, the veteran guys, uh, Casey, the veteran guys have bought in to what he's pre- um, preaching. Logan, they bought in. And now the younger guys kind of follow suit. Um, so, you know, every this team, I don't think from a you know buying in culture standpoint, I think they're fine. Um, it's just how, how a standard. That it's a, the standard is set by the head coach, and then everyone else. The, the, 
the standard is set by the head coach. The veteran guys reinforce it, and everybody else right. follows follows suit. How does the Delaney Walker dynamic play into that right now, today? Um, as long as I mean, as long as Delaney continues to you know be a professional, as I I don't see him not being one. But it's going to be fine. Guys understand. You know, guys might not like it, you know, if, if they feel Delaney's being treated a certain way. I mean, you know, even maybe Janu don't like it. But he understands that this is a young man's game. And eventually, you know, Janu's time will come where he's going to have to, you know, step aside for a younger player. They may not like it because they look up to these older players, um, but they understand the business. And the faster you can understand the business, the better off you are as a professional. So as long as Delaney continues to be what he has been for, you know, 14 years, I think it's 14 years, not 13, 14 years, then, you know, he should be fine and the team should be fine. I don't see him changing, you know, from what I've seen of Delaney Walker. Here's a stat for you, Pro Football Focus, who apparently has like Twitter pages dedicated to each NFL team. So this is from Pro Football Focus Titans. Ryan Tannehill's grade of 79.5 on Sunday was higher than any grade for Marcus Mariota going back to Week 10 of last year, 2018, when Marcus in Week 10 had an 87.3 rating, according to Pro Football Focus's measurement of quarterbacks. I want to say that was the Patriots game last year where Marcus was... Eagles. It might have been the Patriots. Eagles were first. It was earlier. So it might have been the Patriots. So you're looking back to Week 10 of last year, so that's seven weeks of last year plus six, five, six weeks of this year. You know, we're, we're talking about 12, 13 weeks. That was the best quarterback performance. Interesting to see if he can keep that up because we haven't seen... Now, granted... The Chargers' defense mm-hmm. stinks, but... Well, I mean, um, Tampa's pass defense isn't any, any better, and I think that's why... So we're not going to have a true evaluation until we see what no, he does versus no, Carolina? No, 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 I think you still get a true evaluation. Oh, beating bad uh, teams is still what uh, you're supposed to do. Oh, of yeah. course. Right. I think you still get a true evaluation of you know who he is, because what you want to see, even in the situations like this, you want to see him you know, have command of the huddle. You know, that can be against a bad team or a good team. Um, you know, make sure your team is in the right play. Then when the play is developing, does he get rid of the ball quickly? Does he find the open guy? That happens against a good team or a bad team. Uh, it just needs to be consistent. Uh, you need to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and play well against the teams you're supposed to play well against. And then against the teams that you are underdogs against, that's when you need to elevate your game even more. Um, and whether he can do it or not, I don't know. Um, you know, but he, his career, his, his, his career shows me and tells me that he's a good quarterback and can he win things by himself alone? No. Could Marcus? No. He's going to need help. He got help last game. He's going to need help this game and moving forward. I, I don't think you get an evaluation of Ryan Tannehill until after three games. And that, that includes the Carolina Panthers who lead the NFL in sacks, who are one of the best most efficient defensive units against the pass in the entire NFL. The Bucks and the Chargers are near the bottom. The Bucks are mildly better, marginally better than the Chargers. Um, but both of those teams are wildly inefficient against the pass. And the Carolina Panthers are amongst the best teams in de- defense against the pass. All the metrics across the board, completion percentage, yards per attempt, sacks, quarterback rating, and pick, pick a metric. Carolina is one of the best. After three weeks, if they go two and one, We'll have a good picture of what Ryan Tannehill is, but I don't think it's still accurate until you need even more than that. Again, seven years worth of data doesn't just disappear 
because of two or three good games. So yesterday we had audio of the Baldy breakdown of Ryan Tannehill. We also had a D-Mace dissection of Ryan Tannehill. One other person got involved in the quarterback breakdown of Ryan Tannehill. You'll hear from that person coming up next on Morning Drive. 829, welcome back in. Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise. Stick to sports coming up at 845. Also, a hypothetical in T-Town. Coming up in five Ooh. minutes, we'll go to our T-Town correspondent. T-town. Munson. Marquise Munson. One name Munson. Yes, Munson. Munson. Like Cher. Yeah, you're Munson. just one name what Munson up? from now on. Some just, of the greatest artists yeah, just go just by one, one word. Prince. Exactly. Munson. Munson. So we had a really good breakdown yesterday. Brian Baldinger, NFL Network, gave a baldy breakdown on Twitter of Ryan Tannehill, which we played for you, I think, yesterday at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listened to it. It was great. You guys He's, did a great job. He, but his breakdowns are just too long-winded. It's like, dude, if you good. just get to it, it would be half as long. Yeah, that's true. D-Mace did his Ryan Tannehill dissection yesterday at 8 o'clock as part of the D-Mace dissection where 85 goes all in on the 22. Mm-hmm. But last night, I sat down in the film room oh, God. at my humble abode. Oh. I brought Olivia in because, you know, Olivia is a tomboy. Yeah. You know, she's all about sports. She actually said to me, she goes, last night, she goes, are we going to watch hockey tonight? I go, no, they don't play till Thursday. Uh-huh. Was she upset? She, all, she my, was, all my three-year-old wants to watch is hockey. She I was put, a little bent. I put, oh, okay. fo- I put football on, and she's like, I want to yeah. watch hockey. I'm like, oh, it's, yeah. it's too late for you. She had no interest in the Sixers. She had no interest in the World <laughs> Series. Good. There's so, only 79 more games to go. I, I, pu- I pulled her into the film room, and I put on the Titans game for her this past week with Ryan Tannehill, and she just got done breaking down the, the All-22. <laughs> and Olivia went through, and she basically, and you'll hear in a second, she said that Tannehill goes through his reads and progressions faster than Marcus. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. She said progressions? Hence the offense coming to life. Okay. Hence less sacks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she thinks when you know what you're doing, you can operate and go quicker through your reads. Here was Olivia last night in the film room breaking down Ryan Tannehill. If you don't, if, if you don't know the game, if you don't know the order... Um, you have to do it slow. If you do know that, you could do it slap. So watch. So if you know the order, you could do it fast. So I know it. So I'm going to do it. Zip, zap, zop. See how I did it fast? Because I know it. If you don't know it, watch. If you do it wrong, you have to do it slow. And zip, zop, zap. See, t- <laughs> zip, zap, zap. Tannehill goes zip, zap, zoop. Marcus is zip. Zap right. sack. It's very professional. Yeah, I, that Braden's like, I hate your daughter now. I, that <laughs> breakdown was precise. It was on point. You know, she, she kept it really yeah, entry she, level. If you she kept don't, it, yeah. if you concise, don't know the order. Zip, hey, you, listen, if you don't know the order, you can't zip, go fast. Zap. Management we loves her because she didn't go too yeah. deep in the weeds. Zip zap zap. <laughs> see, watch it. She said, "Watch, see here." Ask her. Zip zap zap. Now zip, zap, watch zip. it when you go slow. Zip. Zop and you got to see zap. The, you got to see the hand motions too. Because yeah. there's the Z she's, she's the Z receiver, yeah, right? Yeah, she's yeah the got, X and the Z and the Y. She's got good hand motions too for for how fast it should go and then how right. slow it should go. You check out the video mm-hmm. on on uh, is that on your Twitter account? Yeah, it is. There you go, man. That's that's that, that's next some, level. Next, you know, see, you, I'm not just a loser. My stuff. whole family is losers. <laughs> 
It's, 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 you know, it's a trend. ESPN has next-gen stats. We've got next-level breakdowns. But you have a, a hypothetical as to how a certain community would react? Well, so we talked earlier about, you know, two is injured for Alabama. He had surgery and, and you know, a minor procedure, whatever that is, in the middle of the season. Um, and, you know, we've talked about Zion Williamson, you know, Nick Bosa for Ohio State last year, shut it down. Um, we talked about Zion and had that debate, Leonard Fournette. There's always a big-name college athlete. We always go, oh, they're injured. Should they wait? To, should they shut it down and protect their bodies until the draft? Which is, again, a fair discussion to have about any player in the modern world when there's millions of dollars on the line. If Tua were to shut it down, here's my question for, for our one-named producer, Munson, who, <laughs> who lived in Tuscaloosa for a long time. Family in Tuscaloosa. Mom in Tuscaloosa, relatives in Tuscaloosa. He has been a Tuscaloosa guy through and through all the time. Like, like since, since the early years. I know you're from California, but you had family in Tuscaloosa and you moved there. What would happen on a local radio show in Tuscaloosa? Let's say news breaks at like 9 p.m. tonight that uh, Tua Tungavailoa has elected to exit Alabama <laughs> and go rehab at with his agent and prepare for the NFL draft what would the what would the next morning or what or would the city survive the night like what would happen in Tuscaloosa um people will turn on him in a heartbeat because they did it with Jalen and I saw it live and in person where Jalen was lovable guy he brought Alabama to a national championship he struggles a little bit everybody's calling for Tua and all of a sudden it's everybody's just like screw Jalen like he doesn't even exist on this team and but people so, love Jalen Hurts no I mean dude listen to sports radio in Tuscaloosa okay, I'm just saying, Alabama, and, and you'll think otherwise that's a tough Al- listen Alabama yeah, tough fans listen. Alabama fans are rooting for Oklahoma though because they like Jalen Hurts so much yeah, they like him now because he stayed at Alabama. He did it the right way. See, if, it, if he did it the right way. He stayed, graduated, and he, he bowed down oh, to Tua. Gotcha. So that's why they, they enjoyed it. But if he would have tried to compete for this job and Nick Saban was kind of iffy on whether or not who's going to be the quarterback, then no, nah, fans would I, still feel the same way. I would give. This is a guy that got ripped on Twitter for putting Jalen Hurts as my Heisman ranking number one, <laughs> and I have no Heisman vote. I, I would I don't know what amount of money I would pay to 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 be in the city of Tuscaloosa the night that Tua announces he's shutting it down. I, I would spend, I would have a camera and I would drive around town. Would the Tuscaloosa economy just crash? Well, Tua, man, he he just the man ain't the man we thought he would be. Oh wow! This this generation, I'll tell you what, it's soft. Roll damn tide, man. Roll damn tide. Now you you lived it, so you would know locally in Tuscaloosa about the Jalen Hurts thing. I think nationally, we look at it a little differently. But one thing that is wrong, if in fact that is the way they reacted to Jalen Hurts about saying, "All right, we got to move on from him," from a fan base perspective, because of Tua, the guy was twenty six and two, and I know two thousand seventeen wasn't a great year for him. But in 2016, the guy was the freshman of the year in the conference. They, they forget that. That's they, they, But they, people act like Bama won games in spite I, of him. I, I, I think, and again, you lived it, you were closer, but almost every Alabama fan I talked to loves Jalen Hurts. But it's, it, it's, it's, because, it's because he, he went through the process. Like it just depends about. on he, which Alabama fans you're actually talking to. Are you actually talking to I, the ones in, that live in Coleman, Alabama? Or are you talking to the ones no, that's that... That's where Jared Stillman stops at the Panda <laughs> Express on the way home. Um, I... I'll just I'll go, I'll go back to Knoxville when Lane Kiffin left for USC. You go back to Knoxville and what they did that night, like Lane Kiffin couldn't leave the facility because they were wor- the police were worried about the fans busting out his windows. They were the fans were on his yard. They had mm. to put barriers up around his house. 
because of Lane Kiffin, a guy who won seven games after one season, left to go coach at USC. You're telling me that Tua leaves Alabama and people are – I just I, – I don't know what like a city imploding would look like. But I feel like that's what would happen with with Tuscaloosa. But yeah, it's just like like I said, Jalen and and anytime you bring up that twenty suit like twenty six and two stat, oh it it gets them angry. Like you, it was despite the defense was really good that he had a well, bunch it, of wide receivers it, 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 and, and it was. But I mean, crap. Jalen Hurts did single handedly at times beat people with his legs. You he, know, I he mean, gave them the lead against Clemson. Yeah. It yeah, was exactly. Jalen Hurts with Steve Sarkeesian calling plays mm-hmm. went right down the field and ran the ball into the end zone for a what would have been a game winning touchdown exactly. in the national championship game if the defense could stop Deshaun Watson. Well, trust me, I know, I understand this narrative. I fought this narrative before for a whole season, a whole summers where I had to deal with the Tua and Jalen thing. So that's why I know right. that they will turn on Tua oh, yeah. as similar how they turned on Jalen because it was quick. It was as soon after Jalen Hurts got benched and, you know, Tua came in the game, it was automatically everybody against Jalen. You can't be one or the other. You gotta like, if you like Tua, that means you hate Jalen well, and vice versa. And, it, and it's, it's kind of it, stupid. It, well, it's very stupid. It's also okay to no- acknowledge that Tua is the better quarterback. Like, it's okay to say Tua makes our offense better. And, yeah. Jay- and Jalen needs to be on the bench. Oh, for sure. And, but and it was always okay. it was always bashing. Like, well, yeah, I think it was always I think bashing mi- Jalen in the process. I think that's a small minority of people that are on radio and social media. The, the the people that get crazy and act like lunatics, which is largely mostly Alabama fans. But yeah. I, I just think once he once he went through the process of being on the bench, though, and then of course being the savior against Georgia in the SEC title game, mm-hmm. I think everybody changed their opinion on Jalen. Even the ones that are, were the most ardent anti Jalen Hurts people, I think everybody kind of across the board loves and, and, and appreciates what Jalen Hurts is now. I think everybody roots for him. Even, again, it's hard to make an Alabama fan root for Oklahoma. And, and that's what's happening. You know how hard that is to do? Bob Stoops made it really hard. And and now Alabama fans are pulling for him. So I, I just think, it, it just in the world of chaos and just you know, random ideas that would make me very happy. But I will say this, I would, though, I would love to see I, what would happen. In I think going to your point away. of people cheering for Jalen Hurts, I think a lot of that has to do with they were proven wrong of like, oh, Jalen can't throw the ball downfield. He can't win with, you know, he can't carry an offense by himself. He's going to need talent around and blah, blah, blah. And he's proving everybody wrong. So now everybody's kind of like backing off. Like, oh, boy, that boy Jalen's really good. Yeah, we knew this all along. No, you didn't. He, that, like, I've heard not, you guys. No. But that's not even true, though. Like, the, like he's surrounded by the best offensive scheme yeah. in America with first-round talent at wide receiver and the best center in the country. Like, he, he's got dudes everywhere at Oklahoma against nobody defenses in the Big 12. He proved he could throw the football against Georgia. In the SEC title game again, I, I think I, Jalen's evolution is fascinating. We we will study Jalen Hurts as an individual in college football for years because there's nobody like him. There's nobody that's sort of done it the way he's done it to win a national title, to then lead a team to the national title and have to go to the bench and handle it with grace the way he did, and then to be a benched player and then to come off the bench and be a savior, like and then to go to your arch rival and and be successful. It's just there's no other story like it I can ever remember. Uh, you know, it's it's a very different conversation, I think, than if a guy decides in his own financial best interest to walk away from a team because I view millions of dollars on the table as being more important than winning this championship for you, coach, and I think or my teammates, and and I can see the oh he's selfish, you know what I mean? Like you can see what would happen. I don't think Tua would ever do that because I think he cares about winning. But 
just just, just what would happen? Just well, let, let your mind wander. Let, let me let me throw you a hypothetical. Let's say Tua does come back. He's back for the LSU game. He plays the rest of the year, but Alabama doesn't win the national championship. In his two years as a starter, Tua Tungavaloa doesn't win a national championship despite video game stats, maybe a Heisman Trophy. Best receiving court in college football Best history. of all, yep. But here's the thing. He did win a national championship in relief of Jalen Hurts. Sure. Do they view Tua differently, or does he have one title regardless? It doesn't matter how you slice it. No, he has a tight. Basically, it would have been three straight championships that they lost instead of just two. So they'll look at it as, yeah. well, we got one out of them because Jalen yeah. wasn't going to win us one, so we got one with Tua. So that's kind of how yeah. they would look at it. He, he was the savior. I mean, that, that second half against Georgia in the national title game. Yeah, is, he didn't is, have nothing to lose. Like that, that, like, yeah, I mean, again, I think Jalen Hurts would have been better in the second half. That half again, we're rehashing like a game three years ago now at this point, but – you know they they had nothing to lose, so he just went out there and slang it around again. He took the worst sack of his career on the play before winning the game, right? Like to even mm-hmm. even on the final possession, he you could argue that he will never take a worse sack than the sack he took on first down in overtime. The the play before he throws the t- the game winning touchdown pass, second and twenty six. Yeah, like the the reason they were even in that position in the first place was because he made a terrible decision that put him out of field goal range, and then he makes the play to win the game. So even in that moment. You gloss over the mistakes. He threw an interception in that game. He probably shouldn't have in the second half. It's his his legacy will be tarnished if they don't win a second title. But that's probably unfair because winning a national title in college football is incredibly difficult, and it's just probably too high of a bar and too high of a standard that Alabama fans have set for themselves. And Saban's responsible for that, frankly. I mean, he's that's how good he is. Stick to sports. Coming up next here on ESPN one hundred two five. The game. It is morning drive. If you're going to call us on your cell phone, just make sure you have good service. That's all I ask for. Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise, good to have you in this morning. Our buddy Hal Gill will join us at 9.30. One hour from now, we have the big finish. But right now, let's get to the world famous Stick to Sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumble up and throw in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drive. All right, Mace. You know the deal. Stick to Sports is brought to you by Decorated Den Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorated Den when you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary, which is free, appointment at decoratingden.com. Number one. All right. Have you guys ever been fans of, like, the car show scene? Of, like, going to these convention centers where they have all these car shows and nope. all these exotic and different cars or whatever? I've, I've been to the Frist when they had, like, a really old antique car show, and it was more of, like, a museum thing. And that was really cool. Like, they had old, like, 60s Jaguars and stuff. Like, that was really cool. Yeah, so there was a reporter in Sacramento that got fired because he was hopping on the cars during a live broadcast of the auto show that's basically out there in Sacramento. He hopped what? on two different cars like on, the- on the hoods of them, and then people were telling him, get off, you look like a crazy person. Is he on bath salts? What is he doing? I, I don't know. It was one of the cars was like a 2020 Ford Explorer hybrid, which there's like a few you know, in the world, and he jumped on top of the car and... People got, apparently got frustrated with him yeah, no enough kidding. to where he got fired from oh, wow. his well, what are you TV doing? station. I don't even have any co- – like, what are you doing? Like, uh, I've never been into anything at a convention center. Car shows, 
card shows, like people that collect baseball cards back well, in the day. That's a long time ago. Those were like you that you'd see me like at a mall on hey, a Saturday. Don't, don't make fun of what my dad and I used to do on Saturday mornings. Like, okay? I, and I, I collected cards. I used to have Fleer, Don Ross, <laughs> Upper Deck, Ultra. <laughs> I had all those cards, but I was never one of those guys to go to like the oh, convention. We, we we did this the card shows all the time because it was all these small, like you said, like it'd be the hotel ballroom or whatever. Um, in in a like when like mostly when I was a really small kid, like nineteen eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, probably. Um, I will say the Frist does a really good job though. Like if, I, I don't mind a, a car museum, right? Like if you go to the Corvette Museum, right, which is up there, right there across the border in Kentucky. Um, you know the the IndyCar Museum up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Like I don't mind a museum because then you're seeing kind of the history of it. But a car show, like a twenty, I don't. Who cares about a twenty twenty Ford Explorer? No. Like if you show me like James Bond's Jaguar from nineteen sixty four, and like that's cool. I'm gonna take a look at that. And like the Frist has done a really good job with car shows. They've got really cool car shows. But it's not a twenty twenty Explorer. Which, show me which is a fine car. Show me the old Batmobile from uh, nineteen sixty six. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. I like that. Better Number Batmobile. Two. The Adam West Batmobile from 66 or the original Batmobile car from 89 with Michael Keaton? Whatever Christian Bale's driving. Yeah, better than what you got. One. Yeah, the newest one. Remember <laughs> when Christian Bale first test drives it with uh, Morgan Freeman and he goes, oh, yeah. does it come in black? Yes. Yeah, so awesome. <laughs> Where does Knight Riders rank amongst the best cars? Best, uh, best, it's below but, the Batmobile. You know what? She had the best personality. That's, that is true. It was I Kit. Mean, Knight Rider had the best personality. You know who played the voice of Kit in Knight Rider, right? I think I've said this on the air. It's the guy who played Mr. Feeney in Boy Meets World. Oh William Daniels. How do you know that stuff? Yeah, really? Lord, <laughs> you guys man. like and that I, knowledge? And I loved Kit. Kit was a great car. Yeah. Was, it, was that an old Trans Am, right? Black Trans Am? Yep. T-Tops? Yeah, that was good. So, how old do you guys think it's, it's too old for trick-or-treating? I think when you have the word teen in your number of age. No, I think Wait, twelve after, is fine. Thirteen, not good. I think after, after the cutoff is maybe thirteen, fourteen, thirteen. So when you have the word 13, teen, I think after thirteen you dead dumb more. Right. When I ask you how old you are, if part of your age has a teen in it, you don't trick or treat anymore. Mm. Yeah. So there's a city in Virginia that is going to make it a misdemeanor if they see kids older than twelve years old caught trick or treating. That's a little too far. Now, yeah. if you're older than oh, 14 man. and you're caught being trick-or-treating, that's a possible fine and even a prison sentence. Oh, so just up. imagine oh, going goodness. to prison. Man, I try to get a snicker down down the street. <laughs> what, what, you if you're, what if you're 15 and here. you're taking like your 8-year-old sister exactly. or brother? Like, what, what's, then? what's that doing then? Are you allowed well, to see, do that? Yeah, you I can't mean, go door-to-door, I guess. We have to stay on the sidewalk? Yeah, you got to yeah. stand on the sidewalk. Nobody but, puts a teenager on the sidewalk. Let's go back to October 31st, 1987. The city of Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> did Mr. Bruno hand out candy on his you porch? Damn right. Did he? Did oh he, yeah. Did he have a one? Mr. Bruno limit? gave the best candy. He would give the the large Snickers. Oh, yeah. Mr. Bruno. That's right. Everybody went to Mr. Bruno. Bringing his truck. You, you can only take one though, right? Yeah. You, you know, he gave out one, but you had to get there because he only had so many. So, so you, you went to Bruno's to house first. Yeah, you got to go to Mr. Bruno's house first. He was right down the street. <laughs> he was one. That's awesome. One, two, he was three houses down, the third house. But but if you oh, my walk, left. what happened if you went up there with your whole all your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and you're all walking up there, what if one of you gets steps on the grass, no candy? 
No, you don't step on Mr. Bruno Grass. You but, so you, as long as you stay on the sidewalk, you got it, your candy. Even trick, it don't matter. Even if it's snow outside, you still don't walk across <laughs> Mr. Bruno's grass. Three quick violations that I need rulings on from you guys okay. for trick or treat. One, if you leave your porch light on, is that automatically assumed that you're in the business of giving out yeah, candy on that night? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I also uh-huh. don't want to leave my porch light off. <laughs> no. Just in general at night. <laughs> no, but still, you know, it on that day, if you leave your porch light on, yeah. you're giving out candy. What about if all the lights inside are off? Still don't matter. Cut it off. Well, like, that's, what, to, that's I, what I want to do. I, I want to, to turn I the go, lights off and hide. I go, like to sleep, like, I go to sleep before 10 o'clock. Like, what? Well, trick or treat's usually what yeah. six to eight. Yeah, trick or treat. No, we had six people. We had people knocking on the older. Well, the older. As soon as it get dark, and the, then for an hour or two. So last year, it, it, we had kids. We had, and they weren't kids. This is the you know maybe there should maybe it should be a, fr- a crime. <laughs> trick or treat, bro. Melody. Like we had two. We had two dudes show up at like nine thirty that were like in their twenties. Oh wow! Last year, asking for candy. I would throw eggs at them. I was looking at them like. <laughs> And then rode off on scooters, probably. I was like, boys, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> I'll throw eggs at them. Get off my porch. You're, you guys are drinking. <laughs> what, what are Get you doing? Get my damn porch. Who you think you are? Okay, violation number two. Is it a violation to leave a basket of candy on your porch and go inside and let the, the trick-or-treaters defend for themselves? No, we would do that. Uh, and I say no because we would do it, but we did it because we would go to church that night. Because they always had something at the church for Halloween. So what we did was, okay, we're going to leave our porch light on. And we know people love the neighbor, um, trick-or-treat in our neighborhood. So we would put this big basket of candy on. And we would leave a note, the honor system, take one. Yeah. And then, but here's the deal. Ain't nobody following that. Here's the deal. We did it one year. I made a mistake and left something in the house. So... I had to turn, I had to double back and come back. I wasn't gone, no lie, guys. I wasn't gone no longer than maybe two or three minutes because I got down the street and I'm like, oh, man, I left. I came back around, came up the hill, parked my car, all the candy was gone. Yeah, you, 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 you can put, I don't even think you should put the sign up anymore. Cause ain't Mm-mm. nobody's reading that sign and listening to that. But you got to put it's a disclaimer. You got to put it. Up. Put <laughs> I, it up. I get it. But the good people yeah. in the world that are going to take one don't need the sign. You know what I mean? Like it's you're not gonna, for them. It's not right, right, but the bad people aren't going to follow the signs. Yeah, <laughs> so but you got to leave the disclaimer. It doesn't out. matter. You like, feel good about yourself when you do. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> there's, <laughs> it's a, there's no way you can manage the situation of the bucket of candy on the porch. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Okay, violation number three, final one. You guys, tell me what you think on this one. Is it a violation to be that guy who gives out bags of individual chips in place of candy? I don't mind because there was a guy in my neighborhood for years who would give out the little individual popcorn bags, pretzels, uh-huh. party mix, Doritos. He would never give out candy. It was I, always chips. That's still junk food, though. So I'd rather yeah. I'd rather have junk yeah. food than like the healthy candy guy who's trying to give out like Laura bars and like apples. <laughs> you know, like nothing that's a violation. Bars. Don't give me an apple. Don't give me a baked cookie. That's a violation. Oh, I'll Stuff take a, like I'll that. take a baked cookie. No, I'm not taking nobody's cookies. No, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's healthy. Ooh. Mm-mm. I just I'm like the guy who's given the cookies. Right, I'm just saying like it's it's wrapped stuff, but let's say it's like healthy candy, right? Like I'd rather have a junk food bag of Doritos than a than like, you know, kale candy. Not not mm-hmm. Nick Kale, but K A L E. I don't know why I went with kale. Sorry. It's a bad vegetable. I don't condone it. Difficult on the digestive tract. It is. All right, that's it. Sports is done. How about this? When we come back, We've got a basketball question for Nashville sports fans. Stay there.